Hi, I'm Billy. And this is Joe. And we're now in Cinemascope. Your one-stop shop for in-depth film discussion and debate. Each week we take a different film, person or subject and explore them until the credits roll. This week we are discussing trailers and trailer making and whether or not trailers in themselves are an art form. So what are we waiting for? Cue music, roll titles, lights, camera and action. So, as you said there, Billy, we're looking at trailers and editing and, and whether trailers can be seen as an art form in itself because I know uh, a lot of people see them as just marketing and especially with sort of the, the emphasis more and more on them as kind of the way that people process what the next film's going to be. They don't just hear the title of the film. It's title and trailer dropped at the same time usually at Comic-Con or straight onto the internet. And so by that point, everyone's talking about it and everyone's sort of discussing from two minutes of film um, what's going to be the next big thing. And I suppose, do you think it is just marketing or do you think there is an art to it, I suppose? Well, as somebody who does editing in their spare time and who, as a hobby, edits trailers for movies that they really like in their spare time, I do come from from the point of view of some of seeing trailers as being something that can carry more sort of like be more significant than just, you know, getting a point across about a movie in, in two minutes. Although that is what making a trailer is and uh, in its basic essence. And um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that trailers can carry a bit more, can, can be more interesting than just literally, you know, this summer, you know, in a world, in a world coming to a cinema near you, you know, one man, is exactly, that one man with a gun against the rest of the world? Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, I think they can be more than that because that is literally just getting a clip and just putting a guy's voice over it. I mean, that is, mm. you know, it's very basic. You know, that's something that hey, anybody... maybe we want to go see Happy Feet and Happy Feet too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean. I definitely think that, that you know, trailers, well, I mean, what tra all trailers making is, is that it's editing and editing is, is seen itself as an art form. You know, it has, you know, you can win Oscars for it. You can win awards, you know, and it has, and there are reputable, there's repute. And mm. I think trailer making is basically editing, but it's hyper editing. It's, it's emphasized because you're doing something that's three minutes. So you have to be really, mm. you know, really tight and um, in, incisive about what you put in and what you cut out, you know. So do you think in a way that it's kind of maybe looked down upon as as a style trailers because say editing a film is a free course dinner with a fancy waiter whereas a trailer is kind of McDonald's happy meal fast mm. food you you go up to the the kiosk and like hey I want one trailer please hold the fries I think <laughs> that's an interesting way of putting it I mean I don't know if all trailers are like that I mean there mm. are certainly as somebody who edits I mean I take a lot of inspiration from certain trailers I mean and there are a lot of people who lot, lots of editors who make who do trailers that I really like and admire um, but I think that I think it's more of like just an assumption I don't, I don't know if a lot of people even think about it that much I think people just think certainly not audiences I think a lot of audiences either just see trailers as like you know, oh, you know, when I'm going to next go to the cinema, you mm. know, like, oh, I'll see what's coming up. I'll see the trailers for the upcoming films and I'll, then I'll decide what I'll go see. Or they just, they, they walk out the cinema to avoid spoilers from the trailers. Some people yes. either hate them or just like see them as, you know, uh, just something to, to, to tell what's coming, coming out rather than like what can be done in three minutes. I mean, going back to the subject of our last episode, Stanley Kubrick, his, one of his inspirations is, uh, was, were TV commercials because uh, in TV commercials, you have to, you, know, you don't even have three minutes, you have 30 seconds. And what mm. you have to do is you have to convey a point very simply and efficiently in 30 seconds, usually just via 
image and music you know and more and more uh, obviously voiceover as well but like mm. you, you have to get something across in like one cut you actually yeah. have one shot and then you cut to another shot and then boom you understand what the product is you're selling and that kind of economy of style and filmmaking is something that is um is really valuable to uh you mm. know um to have as like as a virtue in filmmaking and i think trailers trailer making it as a just as a as a as a basic you know act is replete with those kind of decisions mm. and those kind of cuts and um and and i think they're they're really and that economy of style is something that's really valuable i think it's something that should that should be praised you know it uh, should be seen as uh, you know more praiseworthy in trailers yeah creating a sense of mood i suppose if you if you a good editor you can create a sense of mood with what you've been given and i suppose trailers is sort of the as you say the the hyper the hyper version of that that it's mm. you've got to create a mood to get people into the cinema which is also a mood reflective of the full film in less than two minutes usually yeah you've got to give an idea of the film in question in two minutes i mean like one mm. of my favorite trailers for a film ever is the trailer that they that they did for uh the garth jennings hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy yes film, which is not a perfect film by any stretch but the trailer is brilliant because it's basically um stephen fry who's the voice of the hitchhiker's guide doing a breakdown of what a trailer is pre-deadpool pre-deadpool pre you know any of that and it, it just breaks it down and it fits in line with the film like you mm. know he's doing what he does in the film the character you know his his voice of the book and um and it's also funny it manages to be funny and it manages to to, to and you watch it and through the through like good editing you can you can admire the trailer and go oh it makes me want to actually see the film because it makes yeah. me it doesn't make me want to just see it it makes me want to it doesn't just make me want to see a bit a lot of stuff on screen it makes me interested in what the film is going to be about what the subject is what the uh, if the if this is the trailer what's the film going to be like you know yeah so uh, like i think the best trailers tease as but also summate they 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 give you the film in three minutes but they also don't give you um they don't spoil it for you mm. i mean and i and you know one of my one of my uh, an instance of this i want to bring up is for the trailer for the will ferrell movie get hard I don't know of, if you've of course, seen, the of course, cinema classic, the masterpiece, uh, Oscar winner, one of the greatest films of the decade. I mean, when you said that, as as you were saying it, I was like, okay, he's probably going to say Anchorman. I was not expecting Get Hard. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing here's is, us trying to be all high art and highfalutin, like with our twirling mustaches, <laughs> going, mm, uh, uh, editing is an art form, and then you're like, so Get, get Hard. hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, but no, but like, but, but hear me out. Hear me out. The thing of the Get Hard trailer is that like it spoils yeah. itself because. You know, the, the, does it? The, no, no, yeah. <laughs> the film, yeah, because like the trailer, like it, it, it sells. It gives you the movie. It gives you the movie, and it, and it spoils the the surprises that the movie has to offer. Because the movie, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen it, is uh, it's probably. Uh, <laughs> you're not really, really preaching to the choir. Here <laughs> on this one. Is about you know Will Ferrell's character, who's a um, you know, his is a corrupt you know businessman essentially, who um, and he he he's going to prison. He knows he's going to prison. And uh, he 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 sort of calls up like somebody he knows, Kevin, played by Kevin Hart, who has apparently been in prison, and he and he asks him to teach him how to survive in prison in thirty days. So it's like you know, yeah, it's a kind of you know, it's a classic comedy setup. You know, it's thirty days, it's a certain amount of time yeah. to learn how to get hard, so that he can. Uh, Please just stop, <laughs> stop saying the he title. Can, he, can, he can he can go to prison and uh, survive. And uh, basically, the movie spoils itself. The trailer spoils the movie because, like, not only because the first like half of the trailer is like you know like you have like Will Ferrell being funny. And it's like oh, it sets up like oh, I'm going to go to prison in 30 days. I'm going to go to prison, and I need you to teach me how to survive in prison the way you did. And uh, and then like and then the trailer like and this, and this is like and this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer. The trailer mm. then reveals that Kevin Hart hasn't been to prison. 
He's mm. actually he's just lying so he can he can get one over on Will Ferrell because he doesn't like him. And like his girlfriend's like, oh, why don't you actually tell him that you know you've been a prisoner? He's like, yeah, because I don't want to. Because you know I want to you know screw him over. And it's just like, why would you spoil? Why would you ruin a payoff like that? And I mean, if you if you would, you know, why you basically just it, it really is it puts it pays that idea of like you know trailers do give you the movie. Like mm. if you see the trailer, you've seen the movie. But it's interesting you say that, and I can't believe I'm about to do this comparison right now, but. Get hard. I don't think it's doing anything different to um, like trailers from the fifties. Like if you've ever seen the trailer for The Hustler, like the Paul no. Newman film. I haven't even seen The Hustler. So classic film, uh, brilliant film about Paul Newman as a pool hustler and about him and his sort of he wants to be the best and what he's got to do to be the best and the mm. sacrifices and it's a it's a kind of a, a moralistic discussion and it's one of those kind of nineteen fifties proper like. Let's have issues, and it's a, it's a really good film, and it's shot beautifully. And it's got a great score, but the trailer for it is literally someone telling you exactly, even up to the big dramatic moment. Mm. It tells you, like, and that dramatic moment doesn't come until about an hour and fifty minutes into a two-hour film, mm. and the trailer just tells you he's straight up a very posh Englishman, like, and the hustler with Paul Newman and. Um, Shirley MacLaine. No, it's not Shirley MacLaine. Is it? Oh, uh, Shelley Winters even. Um, and it, it just full on, like, it drops spoilers here, there, and everywhere. Mm. Um, but yeah, Well, I don't... Yeah, well, I... So I, I don't know if it's anything new that trailers spoil the movie, because I feel like it's been there since the start. And actually, it seems to have been that as we've got kind of the internet's grown, I suppose it is as the internet's grown that trailers no longer try to spoil the movie as such or they've now gone back that way or maybe they always have but like a lot of those trailers from the 50s and 60s just straight up told you the movie and I suppose mm. that didn't matter as much because not people weren't discussing it on the internet like you couldn't send that information around so someone who saw that trailer might go oh I'll go watch The Hustler mm. but isn't going to run around texting everyone as such or in this case ringing everyone up on their landlines and going hey <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, operator, put me through to someone who wants to see the hustler. Totally. I mean, I think I agree. I think I do think trailer making has changed. I think it's become much more sophisticated with the advance of technology mm. and the fact that most people can just can download a, a, a good solid editing platform like Final Cut Pro or, or even Avid, and mm. um, they can make, they can cut a trailer. Like it's literally anybody. I mean, I'm literally when I do my trailers, I'm literally in my in my flat. You know, sitting down, you know, at the, at the table with like, you know, a you copy know, of Get Hard on know, the TV exactly. is inspiration, and, like, and, and a drink at my elbow, and just and I just set to it, and mm. so I think, um, and because of that sort of d that uh, that democracy of technology now, anyone can, mm. anyone can do it. The general standard, and and also the fact that you know technology has moved forward and the internet has developed, technology itself has become more sophisticated, and so I think trailers as a whole have become uh, the way that they deliver. The, the film to you has become much more sophisticated and the way that mm. the trailers are passed around online and the way that they're marketed has become much more sophisticated, which I think says quite a lot about the business. I yeah. think, you know, the fact that the business of films, I think you can trace this back to George Lucas with Star Wars, you know, yeah, George Lucas, you know, major figure in pushing technology forward. But I think you know, that kind of thing, you know, they give you the movie. Um, but, I, but I think that I agree. I, I think the actual, the, um, the uh, the approach, the fundamental approach to what a trailer is, has not changed at all. I don't think it has changed at all. Because mm. basically, what the trailers are still doing, they're still doing what they did in the fifties and sixties, and the seventies, and the eighties and the nineties, is that they they're just giving you the movie with no finesse, with no. They're not drawing you in. They're not hooking you. There's no hook. Mm. It's basically exposition 
you know, it's a dump. It's an exposition dump onto the view onto the viewer, whoever's watching the trailer, and the, and you most for the most part, and you get just to just it's like trying to crack a walnut, like hammer like a, a nail in with a sledgehammer. Yeah. It's like, they're, like you know, they're doing everything but the kitchen sink to just give you the movie. So I suppose uh, you to get get bums yeah. in, to get bums in seats. You know, so, it's literally like mm. you know, do you like you like you know, sex, violence, you know, like explosions, all that stuff. It's all here in this. Happy trailer. feet too. <laughs> Happy feet too. Exactly. Yeah, it's all here in this trailer. So I don't. I agree. I don't think the approach to trailers mm. and mar- and in that sense, for um, something that is more, more than just you know, uh, regurgitating what's in the yeah. movie. It has changed at all, but I think just the general on a, on an aesthetic and te- te- technical um, um, level, it, the the whole business has become much more sophisticated, but not more sophisticated and developed in an artistic, yeah, creative. So I suppose you're saying that it is an art form. Trailer making is an art form, and this is kind of reflected in how they've got like separate just businesses just for making trailers, as such. Like a key example. I suppose this is a bad example to use to back up the point, but. The people who did the trailer for the suicide for Suicide Squad, mm. which went down a storm and got everyone actually on excited about a Jared Leto Joker, that they then um, got them to edit the film and do edit of the film because they thought it'd make it interesting, or so they say, industry insiders. So I suppose that, but um, and that they have like trailer awards and everything like that. Mm. So I suppose what you're saying is that the art fo- trailers making as an art form, all in all, is true there yeah. is an art form and it has finesse to it it's just how it's then used or what brief they've been given by the studios i suppose and how the studios use trailers yeah and well, that they just need to i suppose give a studios need to kind of chill out a bit yeah well i mean i mean how much how much of this is is true we don't know because you know we're not inside the industry we don't we don't know how what the mandate is that studios mm. give to the, to editors when they're putting together a trailer we don't know oh yeah it has to be this 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 and this and we don't know like you know i you know even somebody who edits i don't know what it's like to have to screen a trailer for a director yeah. or for a producer and and the trailer the producer to say oh no make it more like this i don't know how much creative freedom there is i really don't know much of that it's a lot of this based off assumption i'll say right now but i mean i don't understand well i mean so many other aspects of film production that aren't involved with actual filmmaking are seen in much more positive creative light i mean like film posters are seen you know yeah, of course as, we uh, like drew um what's a uh, drew uh, i've forgotten his name now drew s does um after fact check that like uh, uh-huh. later like the guy, is that the guy who did spielberg's posters? yeah and did all yeah. raise the lost ark and yeah. but even early in that going back to hitchcock's films mm. or kubrick's films you know any of the great films you know like the, the film posters are just as iconic as the films yeah Saul uh, bass with Saul, credits as well exactly yeah. exactly like you know so many other aspects of film production key aspects really in terms of marketing so film posters film logos film titles you know like yeah, bringing in Saul bass here you mm. know who the great t- film titleist uh you know that so many of those are seen if if not at least labeled artistic uh, a label you know they're certainly seen as being much more creative because of that sort of you know that draftsman's thing you know somebody is actually at a, a bristol board with a, a, yes. a pencil and brush and painting a poster or making a um a, a film title or a logo well i mean uh, of editing a trailer you know it's another piece of marketing arguably a more important piece of marketing because you're you're sending it out and it could be getting millions of views and getting millions of people stoked to see the film but why isn't it seen in a, a more creative fashion it's just basically basically it's the same manner of of product but it's just mm. produced digitally yes. not um at least it's produced digitally now it used to be cut with analog you know with film in the 70s mm. when digital technology didn't exist but now it's just being produced digitally rather than physically you know, so I suppose, so yeah, they, I know, again, to go back to Suicide Squad, I know it's not the best example, but as as a film that, like, 
even though there's loads of discussion about what made that film terrible, mm. um, it was going to be a terrible film. Let's just take the assumption that it's going to be a terrible film anyway. Regardless, yeah. But the trailer making that was done meant that people were actually really excited for it and yeah. were really interested. Um, and there's there's other instances of that, of where the trailer's actually kind of done better by the film than the actual film itself that got people in to watch it. Totally. I mean, there are videos on YouTube by Watch Mojo of like 10 trailers that are better than the movies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you can go on forever about, you know, trailers that, that got you more excited for a film. Mostly the Zack Snyder films, it seems. Yeah, Man <laughs> of Steel, like Man of Steel, you know, that trailer alone made it like my most anticipated film of 2013 and then mm-hmm. the film did not deliver. But um, I mean, it's interesting that you say that the, the editors of the trailers for Suicide Squad had a hand in editing the movie. Well, it's a potential... It, it's hearsay, but like yeah. it could be. Uh, it's truthful. So that would be, that, say, yeah. like a... That would probably, yeah, they, they just, uh, but again, I suppose that even though that could be wrong and that might have sullied the film and made it uh, worse to watch potentially, um, at the same time, they obviously did something right that people were like, oh, we should actually give them control. And maybe that's mm. wrong, but again, I suppose it shows that the artistic quality that they had mm. was enough that it got people excited. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I agree. And uh, maybe that is, I think, try to have it. I mean, it's easier to make a good trailer than it is to make a good film. Mm. Like a good-looking trailer is much easier because it's simpler because it's only three minutes. I yes. mean, like I, I've gone on about how economy of style and approach is key in making a trailer, and that those are virtues that can be hard to learn, but or like, or hard to implement. I should say, it can be it can be hard to make a good trailer, but it, I think you know it's way easier because it's it's a one-on-one. It's the thing about editing is that it's 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 fundamentally an, an intimate activity it's like it's similar in that way to writing or painting or or um, or music or anything like that way it's basically just the, art, the the artist the creator and the instrument whereas a film with uh, being a film director you're you're you know you you rarely the film director doesn't always uh, have their eye you know with the uh, little eye finder with the camera they're often beneath mm-hmm. the camera there talking to the actors they're doing all sorts of things often it's a cinematographer alone who is looking through the lens you know all the directors obviously can do that um, and it's it's a it's a operation manned by dozens and dozens or even hundreds of people making a film especially a blockbuster film and it's there it's rarely that intimacy the intimacy comes in the editing room mm. and in the script room when you're writing the film and then when you're editing the film i mean going back once again to kubrick he said that the, the, the parts of filmmaking he enjoyed the most were the writing and the editing it was the film the filmmaking the actual physical act of making the film can be fun but it's also difficult because it's it's marred with you because you're taking something that's in your head out into the external reality, and you have to, you have all sorts of things to that you have to deal with. You know the you know the you know time, people, you know or, you know the real world. You have to mm. you have to make trying to make something you know and and there's always compromises of that. Some of them work, some of them don't. And um, but the thing about editing is that like any other you know like writing or painting whatever you're it's 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 a conversation between the the creator and the um what they're creating yeah and i think um you know it's no different in that it's it's, the part and it's no different in the sense of trailers that is that yeah, again it's, it's the same thing it's yeah. the same act that's going on it's just a, a smaller package as it, such exactly yeah well i've as uh, editor-in-chief and obviously a big fan on the subject uh, as you do your own edits and uh, your own trailer is for older films and different films that maybe not are doing it in different styles. Um, a few questions for you now. Quick fire, throwing them at you. Another one. Um, okay. Yeah, multiple choice. Just ch- choose whichever you think's best. So. Okay. <clears throat> favorite trope in a trailer: uh, an obscure pop song sung in a minor key, <laughs> or in a world. What's a, your favorite? 
truthfully obscure pop song but mm. but i do enjoy in a world as well a lot it's also i enjoy the film in a world but that's yeah. a different kettle of fish and follow-up question if you could pick a random uh, pop song to then do obscure for say like the trailer of billy barnell's life and uh like uh, like a happy song so like I know I do uh, Britney Spears, Hit Me Baby One More Time, but like done in a minor key, like, Hit Me Baby One More Time. <laughs> what would you go for? Uh, oh, that's that's interesting. That's a really good question. Um, and you can't pick David Bowie's Nature Boy, which is, has already been done for Alien Covenant. <laughs> is, is, is this for my, the film of my life specifically? Or, is this or just for any, any film. Any film, any sort of pop song. Um, oh God, that's such a good question. I mean, the clock's ticking. <laughs> the clock's ticking. I'm thinking um, Velvet Underground song. Uh, I'm thinking All Tomorrow's Parties. Um, quick fast cuts or long shots in a trailer? Depends, but I normally, I, as an editor, I go long shots. I mm. think I've, if you can allow the, the the footage in the film to breathe, I think um, you know it, it's different. It's like the difference between short form and long form pop music. You know, like in the yeah. '60s, in, in the '50s and early '60s, music was mainly mainly short form, two minute songs. Beatles, Presley, it was fast and it was about the hook of the song and the lick, and it's about the guitar lick and it's about mm. all that stuff. And then with Dylan and the Velvets, you know, and and you know, even like Hendrix and the and latter day Beatles, you know, music screeched the other way. It went long form. It went six minute songs, seven minute songs. It was about yes. you know sort of like introspective uh, and um, you know, sort of cere- more cerebral music playing and experimentation. And in my own, just as saying in my own editing, I really enjoy, uh, you know, cutting something fast and loose. But at the same, and I think you know that. But at the same time, I, I much appreciate, I much more appreciate, um, you know, just allowing the trailer and the footage and the music just to breathe and to yeah. s- and to in sync. And it's not a lot of like you're not forcing it together. Mm. I much prefer allowing just the you know allowing everything to mesh comfortably. And so you can just like take a bit of time and just watch the footage in front of you from a film that you might you might have seen many times, but you might be looking be looking at it in a slightly different way. How it just just having it slowed down or just having it just like expanding, so you yeah. can go, oh, I haven't looked at it like this for or, or looked at it for this long, you know. So it's I, I yeah, I'd say I have to take the, the latter long shots, long shots typically. Best way to hide spoilers: fix in post or only show clips from previous films in a retrospective style. Um. In reference to uh, Avengers Endgame's recent trailer, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. If you want to avoid spoilers, definitely go for uh, showing previous clips because then there's no risk whatsoever. Also, mm. there's there might not be that much risk of uh, creativity, but uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, because because it's stuff we've seen before. But um, yeah, that's not that's not a bad thing in terms of if you don't want to give anything away. I think you know the best way to not to avoid spoilers is not to 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 to, to focus on plot. When it comes to editing mm. a trailer, I think the best way to avoid I mean, that's not an option on my list. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> secret option number C: focus yeah. on character and mood. Don't focus on plot or, or dialogue. <laughs> on another note, for sort of saving from spoilers, um, and you can't pick secret option number C because I imagine you want to with this one as well. But uh, okay, okay. Um, would you rather release with unfinished CGI, um, such as like the recent Aladdin trailer, or would you just appease the baying fans and give them something before they kick down your door? So you're saying like release it unfinished or wait what? Release like a trailer which has unfinished CGI and unfinished shots from the movie, uh-huh. or um, just like do it to appease. So like 
kind of either just drop I'd, it out there or or wait. I'd, yeah. I'd wait. Definitely wait till it's right. You know, wait, wait till you get it right. I mean, I'd also. Can I pick a secret option number C here, which oh, which is uh, again? I'm just just because you love get hard, okay? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no it's just, yeah, I mind, that just that question reminded me of the Mummy trailer, the Tom Cruise one, mm. where like they released a trailer, and I don't think they'd whoever had made it hadn't overdubbed it, overlaid the uh, oh, God, a lot yeah. of the effects. So literally, you just got like a, a the first half of that trailer is just a skeleton audio wise of like mm. what the trailer should be there was no like and what and i've watched it and it's like what what is this it's like yeah. one of the strangest it's actually quite interesting like what the strange what's one of the strangest trailers i've ever seen recently the mummy and the film itself oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um which is more annoying uh, on that front uh, a trailer trailer or a tv spot um on that front of like giving the audience what they want yeah so like uh, a trailer trailer where it's five seconds before the trailer you're about to watch giving you a summation of that trailer or uh, a TV spot um, where it's like, I think again, 10 seconds. I think trailers are worse than that front. I think TV spots, at least it's only 30 seconds. So if you're just giving the audience what they want and give it to hitting them, I think TV spots are better because it's sharper and shorter. Not so. a, a trailer telling you that the, tr- the actual full trailer's coming tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, not that kind of thing. Just, you know, um, and in trailers, do you prefer obvious or subtle editing? So say like a uh, Guy Ritchie style of like everything's hyper real and like... Um, it's very formalised and sort of you can tell the editing, like record scratch. So mm. this is how we got here. Or would you rather choose more subtle editing, say like in a, a Scorsese Goodfellas style trailer? Or if def- I think just as you presented me with Goodfellas, yeah, I'll, probably ta- should I'll have. take the subtle. <laughs> like at the same time, I feel Never like... Never use Guy Ritchie in an argument is what I've learned. Against, especially not against Scorsese. I mean, people say that like, good editing is editing that you don't notice. Like mm. people, when you notice the editing, it's bad. Well, actually, well, which is something that I fundamentally do disagree with. I think the be- good editing is editing that matches how the story should be told. I don't. I think editing can be visible and noticeable and still be good. I think if you look at um, In the Mood for Love, mm. uh, which has got some really interesting editing, especially with, with fast cutting, very obvious editing where things, scenes and shots don't match up. Certainly in terms of audio, things clash, but yes. it, it, but it conveys a sense of agitation which matches the character. And or you look at something like, um, you know. Like I suppose, like if you look at King of Comedy, another Scorsese film, which is very, you know, each scene is kind of like is, is is a scene, like you know, within itself, and like there's not a lot of cutting. It's not overcutting. It's just it, it, it's letting the scene play out as it is. It feels very mm. natural and invisible. Or especially in classical Hollywood ed- editing, like you know, Big Sleep or or that Howard Hawks films, where like the editing is just cutting with the rhythm, and it's just like it's that very classical style of editing. I think. Subtle. I, I don't think there's. I, I wouldn't say a preference for either of them. I think they're both. They're both. Um, You're breaking the game here. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> you just I'm just like you, you asked for it. I'm just. I'm just saying. Like you're you know, dancing I, around like a penguin e- from Happy e- Feet Two. <laughs> Why are you keep bringing back Happy Feet Two? Each each style of editing can be the best, but it depends on the uh, on what it's being used for. Well, mm. It can be the best for this current for the situation that you're editing. So you, you didn't pick either option there, but uh, I'll let I'll, you I'll, off. I'll, no, I said, I said typically subtle. I said I probably, if I had to choose, probably subtle. Gun to your head. <laughs> if gun to my head, probably subtle. There is a gun to my head right now. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> saying subtle. <laughs> so with, uh, uh, I suppose, moving on from this, and uh, I know we've talked a lot about trailers uh, from sort of now, trailers from before, and also just kind of the way things are going with sort of spoilers as such. Mm. Um, and a big thing, and we mentioned it slightly, but uh, Marvel trailers. And I, I want to throw forward a um, thesis, unpop- uh, an, unpop- an unpopular opinion. We should call it. That's the section. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I believe, and maybe this is 
taking it a bit further than editing, but I'm going to go in there anyway with a massive target on my head. Um, but I think the tra- the actual trailers for Marvel films are better than the actual movies. Okay. There well, are exceptions. I will put this as a proviso. Yeah. Because yeah. I know instantly people can go, what about Iron Man 1? What about Black Panther? What about Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy? And I, I get that, that they're exceptions, but the majority, um, like I will rebuttal that with For <laughs> the Dark World, where I sat in the cinema, I saw the trailer for For the Dark World. I didn't like the first four, but then I was like, no, you know what? I want to see this. I want to I wanna go like watch some For the Dark World. And then I watched For the Dark World. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, I actually think For the Dark World is quite good, actually. Oh, my God. I actually have quite a bit of affection for that. Cut, record, stop recording. That's it. Cut. <laughs> That's it. Cut it out. Game over, man. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's interesting, because like, would you say the Avengers Endgame trailer is better than the film? I mean, there's somebody who, has, who hasn't seen the film. I haven't seen it yet. Um... N- <sighs> That's a tough one because I don't think the trailers uh, adequately. They don't show anything. No, um, they literally like, and this isn't a spoiler. They show the first like anything from those trailers. It's the first act, kind of. Not even the first act. The first couple of minutes, like, okay. Not even yeah. The first is probably the first four to five minutes. Okay. So interesting. Yeah. Um. So again, that's an exception, but I think it's more. I'm saying like something like again for Ragnarok. I don't know why I've got such hatred for four. I love Taika Waititi. Yeah. And I didn't enjoy Thor Ragnarok, and I enjoyed um, the film more. And it's interesting with a couple of my friends. Wait, wait, So I enjoyed the trailer more, even. That that is an unpopular opinion. Yeah. Because, like, they're both great, I think. I don't know. I think, and I don't know whether it is due to, as we talked earlier, kind of like that sort of instant hit, because you've got, like, um, you've got sort of... um, I suppose what I think Marvel's really good at with their trailers is giving you that instant hit of like a few quips, mm. some great action scenes, and mm-hmm. it's almost like a super cut of the film that you see later on. Yeah, and obviously they don't give too much away, and there's argument they still leave a lot of their best stuff for the film, mm-hmm. or especially now, like they didn't used to the uh, for the Dark World being an example, but like. Um, I do think maybe it's, I, I remember where I've seen, I, I and maybe this is just down to me, but I remember where I've seen these trailers and I've, I remember being hyped for seeing the trailer and then getting into the film and the, the film's not living up to the hype of the trailer. Yeah. I yeah, don't know yeah. whether that's my expectations or just because it's the difference between having a three minute package mm. where everything's squished together and it's just like a, an adrenaline hit, a sugar rush. Exactly. exactly. Compared to... An adrenaline edit, yeah. But then again, would you? does that mean that Marvel are doing something wrong in a sense? Or is that just me? Because I suppose like a lot of other people wouldn't are just hyped and then they really enjoy the film. So what would what say your opinion on that? Well, my, well just... Going back to that very initial point about what trailers are better than the movies, I, I, when I, when you said that, my first thoughts were the trailer for Ant Man mm. and the trailer for Doctor Strange, because I I remember where I was when I saw the Ant Man trailer, and I, mainly because I had a huge amount of investment in Ant Man because Edgar Wright was gonna was work had yes. worked on it for a long time, and I love Edgar Wright. And then he was then he left the project, and I was so gutted when the film wasn't as good, wasn't what I thought it was yeah. what I wanted from it, and the trailer. But the trailer did a really good job of making presenting with like what looked like a really exciting funny unconventional movie in that sort mm. of like the kind of movie that Edgar Wright would want to make and the Doctor Strange one was the same kind of thing it, it made yeah. it feel like deeply sort of emotional almost almost on a very cerebral level even like sort of you know it talks about spirituality and about how it's mm. going to be the introduction of magic to the MCU how it's going to be like 
completely different more from a from a horror director scott derrickson who did insidious i believe i think i might be yes. wrong about that i think he did insidious and whereas the trailer i thought was was kind of pat compared to that yeah it was kind of you know it was too pat it was just like it was just another marvel movie with a bit of magic thrown in and a but with a and kind of a squandering of a really good guest yeah. um but I think the thing that I don't know if when you say Marvel are better or worse today, I think now they're because they're so big now that they, they, I don't know if they're better or worse, but they can afford to give away less because they I know because yeah. I, I think they know by this point they've, they've got you by the seat of your pants. Exactly. Yeah. They've generated so much momentum in this franchise that now that they know that they're going to get bums in seats, whatever they do, even with like a movie like. Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Captain Marvel, mm. Guardians of the Galaxy, which are sort of smaller characters, B-listers almost. Yeah. Uh, you can, um, you can, you you know, we, we still know that we've developed such momentum or such a following with this that people will just go and see it just for, just to go to the movies and see it, see a fun Marvel movie. Yes. You know, like I think that they can afford to give away less in their marketing. I suppose which tease. is interesting in a comparison to say like DC and Aquaman that they released mm. a seven minute trailer which basically showed showed a whole fight sequence yeah, to get people on board. And obviously that did well because mm, Aquaman made much moolah. Yeah. Well, I made over a billion dollars, bizarrely. Yeah. But um, I, th- I don't think it's just DC. I think it's most people. I mean, like even like the, I don't know who, who which studio did Alien Covenant, but or, or but I know that there was a lot of, they released a lot of uh, like... Paramount and 20th Century Fox, I believe. Okay, I think, yeah, 20th Century Fox, I mm. think maybe, I might be wrong on that. But um, they, they released like whole scenes of the film, of the film like, like yeah. that were left on the cutting room floor, but were like important plot scenes, uh, that, like prologues. And mm. they released those to tease the film, kind of like the Christopher Nolan uh, way of doing it, where they were released the first few minutes of The Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that works for Nolan. Although I also think it's kind of a bit yeah, of less of Alien Covenant. Yeah, but I think Alien Covenant, like the, when it scenes that aren't in the movie that are, um, that are, but are still important to the movie mm. and like they're kind of like critical in some ways, apparently. Like I haven't seen Alien Covenant, but apparently the prologue scene on YouTube was critical in some ways. Why, why is that being released? Like, you know, that's kind of, I think that's kind of, on one hand you can see it as being, oh, that's good marketing because like it's getting people like more invested. But like, why do I have to watch this to watch the movie? It's mm. like, I should be, watching something that gets me interested in seeing the final movie in the cinema rather than, oh, I need to watch this and then this and then this to go see the film. And I think Nolan, you know, Nolan's approach is slightly less thought because you actually are seeing a bit of the film that you are going to see rather than stuff that you, that isn't in the film, but you should still watch. Because like, who has the interest for that? Who has the time? Who has the time or the interest in that? Unless it's somebody who is like, who isn't, who's invested in it, you know? Mm. You know, I know know a lot of people weren't invested in Covenant after they came out of the film. Or going in. (laughs) Or, Or after Prometheus going in. So yeah, I suppose in that sense it is that it's because I suppose it is that there's probably a, a good, very good scientific study where it, it is because it's such a concentrated package and you're getting it mm. that like you're always going to, I suppose, judge it on comparison to the trailer when actually the trailer is just a, a super cut almost. It's it's a, an artistic mood setter. Mm, exactly. A, a, a tone poem, I think. It's yeah. like, I think George Lucas said he wanted, you know, George Lucas, going back, I don't know why I'm bringing up George Lucas so much, but like uh, he... Uh, he he didn't really enjoy directing, but what he wanted with his movies were to be like tone poems. Mm. Like you know, that was kind of his like THX one one three. I think is kind of like that where you have like it's it's more about images and sounds and like pure cinema, but yeah. boiled down to like it's very basic stuff components, which is sound and vision, image and music. So, mm. You know, it's about that kind of stuff. And then and you can do amazing things with those components in three minutes. Like you can make little tone poems rather than like a prose piece, which is what a film is. You know. Mm. So I suppose then it's harder because in a yeah with your attention span you're going to latch on and remember 
a trailer a bit more than I suppose a whole hour and a half because it's a lot to take in. Yeah, and and because a trailer can give you like these really rock solid images that are in the mm. film that it can that you remember, and and if they're ed- cut together in a really intuitive interesting inventive way then mm. you remember the trailer sometimes the trailers are more memorable than the movies because of the way they're edited it's yeah about, it's, it's all about the how you string it together and make something work via the editing mm. you know very important now moving on from that to using all the knowledge and all the discussion that we've we've gathered uh on our time talking about editing and trailers as an art form uh billy barnell i throw over to you as mr editor-in-chief <laughs> the gauntlet of uh, I, I want you now as a as a bit of fun um, and don't run away screaming. I want you to like make on the spot a fake trailer for Citizen Kane in the style of sort of a modern blockbuster. Oh, do I? Like, I'll, I mean, I'll help you. I'm not I'm 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 not leaving you by the side on this one. But okay. um, so obviously, I mean, you've got to start with in a world potentially, or mm. or is it now that they've got rid of that in modern blockbusters? Is it just like? Piano music, yeah. and a famous song like Claire, Eau Claire de Lune, and like you know, like, yeah, you see, you see Orson Welles's face. I feel like it'd saying, be something like the Man Who Sold the World by David Bowie, played ooh, in a minor tune, something yeah, like that, really or, or Money by um, <laughs> Pink Floyd, just like Money. Absolutely, that's actually a really good idea. Man Who Sold the World with Citizen Kane. I might have to do something with that. That's quite. Oh, good. that's I've sparked an interest in you. Yeah. Or um, even I'm trying to think of other ones of Flying Lizards. Money. I want money. Duh, duh. Mm. Da, 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 da. What would be your opening? So you've got like, I mean, there's a I, can't, I haven't seen Citizen Kane properly for ages. I mean, like there are scenes in it. That I remember that like, there's the scene of like just those shadows where he's like walking through the house. Like you could open with that and like have some some piano music. Mm. You could have like the the um, there's the snow the, the rosebud snow the, the snow the snow sledge where, the sledge where he looks out the window and there's the snow. You could have all those shots, those mm. iconic shots, and then you could have all some almost like a slow long crawl into those shots. As like so, you've got like a good like. 30 seconds of just like slow long shots of like very important pieces which you don't really know what they mean if you've not seen the film exactly which i haven't by the way i confess now i haven't <gasps> seen citizen kane have you seen citizen yes. kane okay of course you've seen citizen <laughs> kane. um but like but even though i haven't seen citizen kane i know those basic images of like the sledge the snow mm. the the shadows the expressionistic kind of thing awesome wells clapping you know i know all that stuff you can make something really interesting with that actually mm. and like and not make it comedic i mean like, i think what because i because i tend to like break down trailer making by like two or three things which is like reinterpretation evocation and then i think summation mm. and then you can even add into their regurgitation if you want because, but reinterpretation is where you like you take a trailer or take a movie and you recut it so it's almost like a different you can make it into a different genre you yeah. reinterpret it and then it make you can make people look at it the shining is a romantic comedy exactly except to or, peter gabriel sledgehammer is a famous one on youtube which it, i i recommend you check out exactly like that or the dark knight is a rom-com you know mm. that's one that's been done or the or the, the Red Sil- troll i love you <laughs> or silence of the lambs as a uh, as a romantic comedy Around, oh, so genres that are often completely disparate like rom-coms mm. and horror films tend to work the best but um uh, yeah so I think, but or also re- reinterpretation can be where you can take like an aspect of the film that isn't really focused upon by many people you can take scenes that people don't think about when they think of the film mm. and, and you can re and you can twist them around and you can re-edit them and put them in a certain order with a certain piece of music or a certain dialogue and you can make somebody look you can't completely change a film is my philosophy you can't yes i think when it comes to experimentation of editing you have it's not uh, an open camp it's not a completely wide open field you have uh, it's, it's actually more like threading a needle you have a, a window in which you can be experimental but it's quite narrow you have to be disciplined to, mm. to get to it to get to work the string through it and you have to attain it and i think reinterpretation 
the art of reinterpretation as well. Like you, uh, you, you can make somebody, at most you can make somebody, you can twist a film. Imagine like a film's like a bit of glass, so you can twist it so it shines as if a slightly different light. And then you can make somebody go, oh, I hadn't really thought about it like yeah. that before. Or, and then, you know, so that's something that I try and do in my trailers. Or then mm. there's evocation, which is a bit deeper, where you, uh, where you, what you're doing with the trailer is trying to um, evoke the feeling that you get when you watch the film. You're trying to compress the, compress yes. the film down into three minutes. I mean, if, an, an editor that I really like, Joel Warden, you know, uh, he does that with a lot of his trailers where he did mm. an amazing nine minute trailer for the whole Cornetto trilogy and each and, for, and, and the, each film is given three minutes and in, in the three minutes he really breaks the film down and he really evokes it so you're watching it and you mm. really feel like you know you want to go watch the film you want to you feel like you're watching something of the film and you want to go and watch the full thing mm. that's what a lot of people talk about when they say like a good trailer yeah does that so I suppose then if we're taking Citizen Kane if we had those long shots uh, of seeing like the sledge long shot of like a newspaper with mm. Kane dead um, and like that and just sort of taking that for 30 seconds as the man who sold the world plays underneath in a minor tune then I suppose that's a bit of kind of evoca- evocation and also reinterpretation mm. um, and then I suppose like if you're going to go it further on then you'd like you'd start doing quicker cuts like yeah. as the piano comes in a bit faster the tempo yeah the man yeah. who sold the world and it's like quicker cuts of like people shouting and different things and like faces and focus on faces mm. and then you leave it until the end when like the music cuts out and you hear the like this is basically just the logan trailer i realize the, the blueprint. yeah you still have time charles yeah uh, the uh kane uh, so I, I think, yeah, and then I mean, like, and then kane's have, face at the end like yeah and ideally you wouldn't have coming lot, this summer exactly and ideally with that kind of trailer that's kind of the trailer that i would be interested in watching and mm. like and editing because like you wouldn't have i wouldn't you know, if i was doing that trailer i wouldn't put a lot of dialogue in there in fact i probably would put less next to zero i would let the music and the visuals tell the story mm. but i would but also when you when you're working with the basic components of film music and an image mm. you, there, there isn't much room to spoil anything yeah because like you're not giving away dialogue you're not giving away script or plot so you're getting flashes you're getting images you get it's a tone poem and so with mm. that it's it's fascinating because it it, it teases you because you like because it doesn't explain anything when you're yeah. looking at like you know or if you had Kane dead sledge you know uh, Orson Welles's face you'd be like what is going on this looks really interesting yeah because there was no explanation there's no explanation and so with that it's like you know another example of a trailer like this is the trailer for the shining mm. which we talked about before but like you know the trailer for the shining is literally just the elevator doors opening and blood coming out that's it mm. and then literally like a Stanley Kubrick film based off Stephen King's masterpiece of horror the shining it's Jack Nicholson you yeah know, it's literally like there's nothing there there's nothing going on there but it's so compared to most trailers but it's so interesting mysterious and uh, mm. and interesting and I think that was kind of, and that's got no dialogue in it, no character, no nothing. It's literally just blood coming out of an yeah. elevator. So that's a better way of doing it than, say, the, the other version to go, which is quite prevalent in modern blockbusters, is to throw up like a really happy pop song over the top, exactly. and it'd be like, exactly, this you makes my, you make my dreams come true by whole, whole the notes like, exactly, it's like. Kane's walking like, <laughs> down, bopping along to get his sledge. Exactly. Okay. Well, exactly. It's like that with. I, I mean, I can recall an example of that actually, where like you literally there, the studio would just put a, a pop music, a pop song over the top, partly because of the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy was so successful, mm. but also because it's like, oh, it looks happier, more enjoyable. We'll get more bums in seats. And the Kong Skull Island trailers. Oh God, yeah. That first trailer is incredible. Like it, it conveys an incredible sense of tension and genuine it invoked a genuine sense of like nervousness to me i was mm. watching i was like oh my god they're going up toe to toe with a f- 
freaking beast, you know, like a, a, a hundred foot high gorilla. And it's like, and the film, the trailer at no point gives you like a proper full on shot of Kong. It gives you like glimpses Mysterious, yeah. and the music and the way that the dialogue is used, it builds up to this crescendo of like, you see Kong's face and that's it. And in the fog. Yeah. And it's actually like, it genu- it's genuinely a really brilliantly put together trailer. And then the second trailer, they actually put, you know, Bad Moon Rising over the top. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Tom Hiddleston, it's Brie Larson and we're going on in Choppers. And then he goes, <laughs> is that a monkey? And then the, like, you know, it's literally like, yeah. like that is, it's so like, it's so like transparent. Mm. And I think why well, I was like, the first trailer was a brilliant, like a brilliantly put together suspense trailer for a film that looked genuinely suspenseful. The second one was just a marketing tool. And I was yeah. just like, that you can see the difference just by comparing those two. So the yeah. Same movie. So in conclusion then, I think what we're taking from it all is that like films themselves, trailers are obviously shortened versions of it. So they can obviously like a film be an art form, but it depends how you use that art form. And there's certain films which are used entirely for marketing and selling toys. And there's ones which are done with love and passion and craft. And that's the same with editing and trailers. Mm. Um, so therefore, I think conclusively we can say trailers are an art form in itself. Yeah, well, I think they can be art. I think they can, or at least they can be in, They can be interesting enough. They have the capacity. They have the capacity to be interesting and to be um, well-crafted and well-put-together, mm. uh, like any form of creative endeavour. But uh, I think, like, I can't remember the name of this person, or a lot of people tend to say this, but like 90% of everything is crap. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't tend to put a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm more of an optimist than that. But like, mm. I don't think it's 90% of everything. I think it's less than that. But there is a lot of um, of pap floating around as well. And you have to really, you have to, sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to dig to find the, the, the gems. Yeah. You know, like, you know, they don't come along every day. You got, you know, it's not every day that you find a trailer or anything, or, you know, or a book or whatever that's, that's interesting, you know, mm. out of the current crop all the time. So, yeah, I suppose... Trailers, art form, and also watch out for the trailer that we eventually do of ourselves. <laughs> and you can judge us on what we've just said and what we just agreed to when we put the happy pop tune over the top. And fade out on the happy pop tune. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Joe and Billy were on a road trip together. They did hate each other, but now they love each other. Credits. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Well, tune in next time for more discussion and debate with Now in Cinemascope. I'm Joe. I'm Billy. Thank you very much. Thank you.